if you haven't been in conversation with your body, it's probably for a reason worth respecting. And beginning this conversation is something that we want to warm to gently in your own sweet time in ways that feel approachable and appropriate for you. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Bain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Well, hey there. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal. Carly. I am so excited to dive into this month's extra special theme with you because it's so near and dear to my heart on a very personal level. And it's got everything to do with your heart too, actually. And I mean that literally. Whether you're listening in for the first time or you've been tuning in for a hundred and something episodes, I hope you find something rich and meaningful here. And I am so thankful for your presence in this conversation. Because we're going to be talking about including your beautiful, strong, resilient body in the conversation. And when I say conversation, I'm referring to the ways your body and its innate wisdom can support your days, your work, your health, and your relationships. And here's why. So my 40th birthday is just around the corner. It's happening this month. And more on how you can celebrate that with me in a really special way right from where you are. I can't wait. I'll tell you about that later on in the episode. But when I paused and reflected, I knew that the way I wanted to celebrate this milestone was in creating an international bring your body to work day. Because after 15 years of coaching and oh my gosh, nearly four decades of inhabiting my body, sometimes consciously and sometimes like an unconscious passenger asleep at the wheel, I have seen both for myself and for my clients that the folks that thrive in the big three, and the big three meaning your career, your health, and your relationships, well, they have some type of interactive relationship with their body on a regular basis. And let me tell you, my body sure weighed into today's conversation because I had drafted a completely different take on this episode. But no matter how I tried to add in more resources, I had case studies in there and quotes and all sorts of content. It just didn't sit right with my body. I felt this kind of emptiness in my chest and it wasn't terrible. It wasn't excruciating, but I could sense that somehow I was missing the mark. And years of being in better conversation with my body has taught me a few cues about what it's trying to tell me. And the sense of emptiness or me lacking enthusiasm or feeling like my energy is drained is one of my signature tells that I'm missing the mark or that something's not quite right. And really, when I sat with it, I knew that as we start an entire month of this rich and life-giving conversation about the information available to you in your physical body, there was something else we needed to discuss Number one, why is it that we don't listen to our bodies? Most of us have gotten cues before and sometimes we circumvent them. So why is that? 
Number two, what are examples of our bodies talking to us and sharing powerful insights that we can engage with for much easier decision-making and working and living? And what do I mean when I say things like your body's talking to you in the first place? And then number three, what is your unique physical form telling you today? What is the physical intelligence that resides within you that's right there with you in this moment? Know about discerning, meaning how do you discern when your body's talking or if it's just your mind shattering or it's just our cultural conditioning or fears or other desires cropping up? How do you know what is true? And how does your body help inform that? And then finally, I'm going to share a really sweet story about one client that listened to her body and why now she's getting more help and more vacation time than she ever had before as a result of doing that. So if all that speaks to you, then you are here for the right conversation. And I'm reminded of Terry Tempest Williams, one of my favorite authors said in her book, When Women Were Birds, my body is my compass. It does not lie. Oh, I love that. My body is my compass. It does not lie. But for some of us, we've never been told how to read our compass or worse, We've been convinced that the signs on our compass that tell us where north and south and east and west are, are wrong. So we've stopped trusting our own internal guidance system, or we've started ignoring it altogether. Or what if your compass is working great, and you're a pro at listening to your body's information, or you at least hear it giving you hints, but you just don't like the information it's giving you right now? (laughs) Then what, right? What it would do when there's stark contrast between what we think we want to do or what we feel like should happen next and what it actually feels like in our body. Well, we are going to cover all of that right here. But first, we're going to do a quick shout out. And today, I want to give a shout out that is relevant to my body in that when I witness, like many of us, what is happening in the Ukraine in this war, I can feel on a visceral level that something is wrong here, deeply wrong here. And it's also really easy to feel helpless in the face of this much complexity and confusion and suffering. But as I sat with my body the other day, I became aware of one knowing that I jotted down and I never want to forget. And it was this, Carly, it is possible to feel helpless and be helpful at the same time. I'm going to say that again. It is possible to feel helpless and be helpful at the same time. And we talk here a lot on Messy Magnificent about how the antidote to overwhelm is focus, right? It's knowing where to fan the flames of our attention. And so we want to stay focused on what is happening here in a way that allows us to stay in the game and to stay attentive and to continue to offer support where we can And that could look like donating or deciding that once a day you're going to get informed and read the newspaper or read a Google article about what's going on from a reputable source. Or this could look like checking in with anyone that you know of with Ukrainian heritage, regardless of where they reside within the world. And now is the time to offer support there. So here's a couple organizations that are already doing great support, and I will put link to them in the show notes. So wherever you're listening. One of them is Together Rising, and I love this organization. It was founded by women, and what they do is they raise funds for other organizations that are already doing great work. 
so that when there is a need, they can get immediate assistance to those who are appreciating a little support right now. And so Together Rising, you can go to their website, togetherrising.org forward slash give. They are giving their funds right now to the World Jewish Relief and Direct Relief Funds because both of these sprung into action immediately. And they are uniquely positioned to do so because how deeply embedded they are in communities across the Ukraine. Another option, of course, is UNICEF. And on their website, they've got a great place to donate. Very little of the money when donated to UNICEF, I think it's 3% or less, goes to administrative costs. It goes straight to those who need it. So if your heart is feeling tender too about what you're witnessing there, one way that we can tend to our physical body is to show up for what we believe in to make sure that we are informed, that we give ourselves rest and respite and opportunities to be thoughtful, and that we take those thoughts and put them into thoughtful action. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy, the place that motivated women come to reclaim their time, energy, and clarity, both on the spot and for the long haul. So if you're craving more authenticity, or your body is telling you it is tired of being tired, or you're just so over going over loops in your mind about the next best steps for yourself, well, you can get free access to the Boundary Brunch recording where I share the three things that women who already have healthy, sturdy boundaries know and do. It's a game changer and it's totally free with nothing for sale in there. Visit carlyfane.com to get access and get spacious today and replace any accidental people-pleasing with peace of mind. So let's dive in here with the big heavy hitter question of the month. Why is it that we don't listen to our bodies? I'm reminded of a story my mom used to tell us when we were little, a story of the sun and the wind. So the sun and the wind were always going back and forth about who was a little better, right? Who was stronger? Who could get the most done? And one day, as the two of them were in their habitual debate over who was better, there was a man walking down the street and he was wearing a big trench coat. And the wind said to the sun, oh, I'm so strong. Look what I can do. I'm going to get that guy's coat blown right off. I'll get that coat right off his body. And so the wind huffed and puffed and blew swirls. And the guy, as he's walking down the street, had to clench the edges of his trench coat to try to hold it shut. And he barely did, but he did. He held on until the wind exhausted itself. And then he turned to the sun, and the sun didn't say anything. The sun just glowed. The sun just turned on the light that it already had. And eventually, the man, feeling the gentle warmth, started to soften the edges of his grip on his coat and eventually took his coat off altogether. And I love that story because what it's modeling there are two different ways of trying to approach the same thing. If the goal was to create a change or a shift, in this example, what the man was wearing, then it could be met in different ways. One through a lot of force where it took a lot of effort and a lot of trying and a lot of turbulence for everyone involved. And one just through softening. And I share this story because part of the reason that I have witnessed people not listening to our bodies, myself included, is threefold. And there are more reasons on this list, and I would love to hear your reasons. If you notice any reasons why it's difficult to listen to your own body or why you don't. But here's three. The first is our upbringing. 
When I say upbringing, I'm talking about a lot of us being raised in a windy culture, a culture where we create strong, hard work ethic with the thing that gets us the best results. And yeah, there is a place for strong, hard work ethic. But when we are exhausting ourselves in the process and we're not seeing great results, the coat isn't flying off, then it's time to consider other ways of softening into our work, of incorporating rest or long-term approach that doesn't require the liquidation of our energy in the process. And so for some of us, we don't listen to our bodies because we've been raised in cultures that were telling us to ignore what we were sensing. And it could have been for practical, pragmatic reasons. I think of my mom, you know, having three young kids under the age of five. If I was asking for something to eat at 4.30, she would tell me, well, you've got to wait till dinner at five when we're all eating. And that was practical. (laughs) That's what needed to happen in the moment. But little me, here I am learning that, yeah, I feel hungry, but you can't eat now. Just because you're hungry doesn't mean you can eat. And there's truth in that. But it's also a small way that we learn to negate what we're sensing within our bodies. The same is true vice versa. In families that were fortunate enough to have plenty of food, we might have heard things like, you've got to finish what's on your plate. Children are starving somewhere else. How dare you not eat this? And so we might equate things like shame or guilt with noticing the way our body actually feels. So some of this is just from our upbringing, whether it was well-intended folks helping us just get through the day or not so well-intended folks. We begin to adopt patterns of negating the information that we're noticing within our bodies. Another one is urgency culture, meaning we live in most of us in cultures that thrive on the sense of getting things done quicker, being better. And we all know that that is not always the case. Sometimes we have to take decisive action. And this is part of why I love incorporating our body into the conversation, because it can help with more decisive action. And we'll get to that. But constantly feeling like we need to go faster causes us to miss out on a lot of valuable information. We lack thoughtfulness when we move quickly. We might make decisions that aren't ethical or don't take the big picture into mind or that are totally rooted in just our intellect or just our emotions and miss out on its counterpoint. And then third reason that a lot of us don't listen to our bodies, it's trauma. I'm going to be honest. When I work with people that are people pleasers or overworkers or afraid to complete projects that they're passionate about or just super high achievers, folks who are the hardest worker that everyone knows, I see a recurring theme. And this is anecdotal. I'm not offering data other than my own lived experience here. So this would be something fascinating to research. But I have noticed that a lot of high achievers have experienced some level of trauma, whether that's little t traumas or big capital T traumas. But I notice that this pushing within them as we start to unpack it all comes from a place of uncertainty. It comes from a place of fear, from a place of wanting to control the outcome. Because they're worried that if they don't do it themselves, it won't get done well, or it won't get done right, or things won't work out for them, or they won't have enough, or they won't be safe. And those are all indications that they have probably brushed up against a moment where they weren't safe, or they didn't feel safe, or that they weren't supported. And so we've learned from a young age that if we want something done right, we're going to have to pull up our bootstraps and get it done ourselves, because perhaps there wasn't enough of a system there to hold us in those steps or that next part of the journey. 
And so we end up kind of being like the wind because we grew up (laughs) in the wind or thinking that we were the ones that had to brave the storm alone. And if I'm saying anything that's hitting on something particularly tender, I really implore you to have the experience of professional support, of packing things, especially like trauma or cultural conditioning or things related to our upbringing. I'm going to put some links in the show notes here for resources that can help you in a more supportive way. I am not a therapist, but if this is touching on something that feels deeply true and you're interested in exploring more, I want to make sure you have some support around that. Because if you haven't been in conversation with your body, it's probably for a reason worth respecting. And beginning this conversation is something that we want to warm to gently in your own sweet time, in ways that feel approachable and appropriate for you. And that might be the entry point to being in conversation with your body as moving at a pace that feels doable and appropriate for you. So let's talk about some of these examples of our bodies talking to us and sharing powerful insights that we can begin to engage with for much easier and clearer decision making, whether that's around our work or the way we're living And what I mean when I say things like, your body's talking to you. (laughs) I'm going to start with kind of a silly story. It's actually pretty poignant, but it can have a little levity to it too. So one of my clients who's in the Boundary Academy, she shared this beautiful story, gosh, nearly a year ago, when we were talking about ways our body communicates with us. And she explained how she works in a corporate setting and pre-COVID that was in an office with a lot of people. And she started to notice that she was belching a lot. And when I say a lot, she was talking 10, 20, 30 times or more an hour. And it was this kind of on again, off again thing where there would be moments where it would happen a lot and then it would go away. And it was very perplexing to her. She didn't know what was going on there. But as she began to do work with her boundaries, she started to notice that the more she set healthy boundaries for herself, the less she was having the symptom. And as she began to rearrange the way she worked, just in small ways, because she still works for a large-scale company, she noticed that this funny, perplexing symptom, this belching, which was no longer funny to her, it was quite embarrassing and quite uncomfortable, began to subside. And now the belching for her is her body throwing a flag. It is her first tell that there is something that needs to be tended to, that there's actually an uprising happening within her body saying, hey, pay attention something here doesn't work for me or something here doesn't feel right or true and it needs to be acknowledged. And I love this story because we so often see examples of our body communicating with us through really painful things, often looks like migraines, headaches, other digestive issue flare-ups, autoimmune disorder flare-ups, things that perhaps you've been to a doctor for and you've got a relatively clean bill of health, but pop and aspirin isn't cutting it anymore. And this example is really unique, and it speaks to how unique each of our bodies and circumstances are. So the question I want to ask you relative to this story is, what is one way your body communicates with you? It could be relatable. You've heard other people have similar examples. It could have been any of the perplexing health symptoms I just listed. Or maybe it's something totally unique, like this client that I just shared. Now, I'll give another story, one which could have been a lot more serious than it ended up being, but was still significant. This is my own personal one. I was in San Francisco years ago, touring with the client, and we were staying at a hotel. And when it got about dinner time, I walked a couple blocks over to get some dinner. 
and I'm at the hot bar in a regular grocery store. And a person walks behind me and I remember feeling this immediate sense of alarm and the hair standing up in the back of my neck. And so I turn around and this person has already passed me. They've not interacted with me at all. And they appear at first glance, me making an assumption that perhaps they don't have shelter. It's possible that they are living without access to resources. And the second I saw that, I thought, Carly, how dare you judge this person and feel alarmed? What's going on here? What kind of bias is implicit here? You don't know this person. Who are you to make any assumptions about them? And so what had happened there was I had a physical sense within my body of alarm and the hair standing up on the back of my neck. And within seconds, I already told myself to ignore that information or to discredit the information my body was telling me. And so the short version of the story is after I left the grocery store there, I ran into this person who was accosting somebody else and had to get involved. And thank God it worked out and everyone went home safe and sound and nobody was harmed beyond the trauma of of a really intense interaction. But I say all this because the moment everything disbanded and I was able to walk back to my hotel room, I realized in the moment how valuable that initial information was and how important it was that I pay attention. And so my question for you here is, has your body ever told you something and you've ignored or discredited or dismissed it? Has your body ever told you something and you listened to it? And what was that like? Some of these examples are light. Some of them are more serious. I have worked with Grammy award-winning artists that have worked themselves into the hospital on multiple occasions. That's how I began being the live-in coach for some folks who really needed to learn about how to sustain their business and take care of themselves, where that these minor things could actually be exacerbated into really major and serious health conditions because they weren't attuned to knowing when it was time to rest until their body made them. And so my question for you on this last example is, how do you know when it's time to rest? Even if you don't want to listen, even if you absolutely ignore that, and we all do that sometimes, but what does your rest tell? What happens for you when it's time to slow down? My quick, easy tell is I begin banging myself on doors. I begin bumping into things with my elbows or I shut a drawer on my thumb. I start to make these little itty bitty injuries happen because I'm moving too quickly and I need to slow down. What about you? How do you know when you're going too fast? And so as we talk about some of these examples, let's talk a little bit about uncovering more here about your unique physical body and the way it communicates with you and how you discern when it's your body talking or when it's your mind talking or when it's cultural conditioning in there trying to have influence or fear or just some other desire. How do you know what is true? And how might you sense that within your body? So I'm going to take you through a brief exercise here in a moment. And I encourage you, if possible, if not right now, shortly when you can, to write this down on a piece of paper to actually get what we're going to go through together with these prompts out of your body so you can objectively see it. I promise you, you will get a lot more information when you're not just processing it through your head, when it actually comes down through your hands or whatever it is you use to jot down notes. So you know how when you go visit a friend or perhaps a neighbor, 
and you arrive at their house, you knock on their door before you just walk in. Well, talking with your body is something that we want to approach in a similar way. We want to announce first that you have arrived with it. We're not just going to slam the door open and walk in blaring our music and chit-chatting like a hurricane. We're going to show up gently. So first things first, if you've got your piece of paper out, great. Otherwise, just go through this in your head and come back to your paper later when you can or a note on your phone when you can. First things first, you're just going to start by saying hello. You're just going to say, hey, body, how are you? Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for being here on the days where I don't give you enough water, I don't give you enough sleep, or I skip a bio break. I appreciate you. So we're starting with hello and some gratitude. And notice that I'm already creating a little bit of objectivity in this exercise. We're going third person here. You're talking with your body like you might talk with a dear friend. And depending on how, what type of relationship you have with your body, this could be a friend you haven't seen in many, many years. And so you're just checking in and saying hi. Or this might be a friend you can dig right into and go for the juicy stuff because you're in conversation all the time. So first, hey body, I'm so happy to be here with you. Give it some gratitude. I appreciate the ways you have shown up today, such as, and fill in the blank. I appreciate the way you got me to work. I appreciate the way you helped me wake up after sleeping. I appreciate the ways you poured this glass of water for me, whatever it is. Then number two, you're going to ask the first prompt question. Number one, what are you noticing right now, body? Or body, what are you sensing? And if you're drawing a blank, I want you to go for the actual five senses. If you've got any of those senses, I want you to engage them. So if you can, for example, see well, hey, body, what do you see right now? Hey, body, what do you want to see right now? Do you want to see something beautiful? Do you want to see an example of somebody being courageous? Do you want to see me do a couple jumping jacks? Or do you want to see me sit down and take a nap, right? So, hey, body, what are you noticing right now? And if you're not sure where to go with that, start with one of the senses. And then number two, we're going to ask the question, hey, body, how do you feel when you don't like something? Or just ask yourself, how do I feel physically? What does it physically feel like when I don't like something or I am not in agreement with something or something's not working or not feeling true? How do I physically feel that? I want you to watch out for accidental intellectual answers. An intellectual answer is something. So an intellectual answer would say, well, I feel panicked. Okay. What does panic physically feel like in your body? Is it a feeling of movement? Is it a feeling of tightness in your chest? Is it a feeling of heat or of coldness, right? We're just noticing. So how do you physically feel when you don't like something? Then the next question here is, how do you feel when something does feel right or good or true? What does that feel like in your body? Some people tell me it feels like a sense of lightness. Other people tell me it feels like a sense of groundedness or sturdiness. And it just goes to show how different the ways we all interact with our bodies are. So what does it feel like to you when something feels good or right or true? And then finally, we ask this question. Body, what do you want me to know right now? Or what is one thing you want me to know? right now. And then we pause and we wait for an answer. 
And that answer might come in a very understandable format. It might be a sentence like, hey, I want you to know that tomorrow would be a good day to rest. Or I want you to know that you're doing a good enough job. You don't need to push so hard. Or I want you to know that we got to really show up for this thing today. It could look like any of those things, but it could also look like a song lyric or a memory or a, something you've seen in an article recently. Whatever it is, jot it down. Our body does not necessarily communicate through intellect or through words. It communicates in its own unique fashion. We're just going to take notes on the information it gives us in this moment. And then finally, of course, we return back to the way we started. Talking with our body is about creating a gratitude sandwich. So we start with thank you and we end with thank you. Thank you for talking with me. And that might be enough. That might be plenty. If you want to go for a little extra credit, you might say, thank you for talking with me. Here's what I heard you say. And here is when I will visit with you again and give it a time. Maybe you're going to say, I'm going to visit with you every day while I'm brushing my teeth. And we link the habit of communicating with your body to an existing habit that you already have only because data shows us that linking a new habit to an existing one helps us be far more likely to live into it. So I promised you a quick story about one client who listened to her body and how that has led to her getting a lot more help and more vacation time than ever before. So this client is a phenomenal CEO. She built her own business. She's had it for over 10 years now. And she reached out to me about a year and a half ago to say, Carly, I love my company, but I am exhausted beyond measure. This is not sustainable for me. And every time I do take a break, which is quite rarely, everything falls apart at work. So I do all this extra work in order to go away. I go away. I think about work the whole time I'm gone. And then when I come back, there's a tremendous amount of work or mess for me to clean up. How do I do this? How do I take my job or this company that I've built from this attaining phase of getting off the ground to now sustaining it? Especially because everybody's celebrating me for what a great job I'm doing. They don't understand how underwater I feel. And we started right there with, well, tell me more about what it feels like to be underwater. What does that feel like? (laughs) We started with listening to the cues within her body the information her body was trying to tell her. And as we did that, we noticed a lot of things. We noticed that she was really passionate about building community and wanting more people to be involved, but that she felt physically within her body a sense of constriction or panic or fear when she thought about actually having to hand power over to other people because she cared about her business so much. And so her body, because it was so used to doing everything itself, because it had learned that that was the only way to get ahead, was actually terrified of slowing down or making it to the next level. And so we had to give her body the reassurance that it needed in order for her to be able to make decisions that were in the best interest of herself and her business. In other words, we had to tend to her entirely fried nervous system. In very small ways, we had to create small pockets in the day that were just a minute or two long where she could sit and catch her breath and begin to see and think a little bit more clearly to shift out of that fight or flight sympathetic nervous system response into a response within her body that was far more relaxed, where she could be much more thoughtful and creative and the ways she would solve problems, and she would feel safe enough to welcome other people in. And interestingly enough, to begin to spot 
how many allies she already had that she didn't even know were there. Because her blinders were so on in trying to do all the work herself, she couldn't see all the people that were actually great advocates and very capable and willing to jump in and do more. So she reported just recently that she just took off three weeks for work. At the time of her life, her company didn't fall apart. In fact, it thrived, (laughs) did very well, and she's already planning her next vacation. And this all stemmed from her daring to listen to her body. And I want to point out candidly that it wasn't easy in the beginning because there was lots to feel in there. And yet, when she took the sun approach, when she dared to just warm gently, it all became possible. This is a cause for celebration on many levels. And speaking of causes for celebration, so in honor of my 40th birthday and the powerful wisdom residing within our bodies, we are starting that international Bring Your Body to Work Day on Monday, March 21st, which is the first full day of spring here in the Northern Hemisphere where I lived. And I want to encourage you on that day to do something to nourish your body, shine a little sunlight on yourself, to warm yourself up and encourage all the women and humans you know in general to take part in this day too in whatever simple way feels good for you. Whether that's taking a sip of water, maybe you go stretch your legs, maybe you go sit down, or you wear shoes you're actually going to feel good in that day, (laughs) or you kick your shoes off altogether if that's something that you can and want to do. I mean, heck, just go to the bathroom when you need a break rather than helping one more person first or sending an email, and that would be a win. And I want you to tell us about it. We're going to use the hashtag body to work. B-O-D-Y-T-O-W-O-R-K on Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm going to share how I tend to my body in very practical, doable ways. I want to see what's true and real for your body. And I want us together to create a movement where we normalize the fact that A, we have bodies and that they are not ancillary. There is no business without our physical bodies and that the care for them is essential not just because it feels good and it keeps us healthy, which are reasons good enough in and of themselves, but because we also make better, more thoughtful, informed, and intelligent decisions when we dare to pause and include our body in the conversation. So I hope you'll be a big part of this day. I'll put a link to more information about this in the show notes. Do join us. It's going to be a lot of fun, deeply nourishing, and I hope the start of an annual tradition here. So tell me, of everything we've covered today, and it was a lot, what is standing out for you? What line or phrase, maybe it's something I shared or something that's bubbling up within you, is particularly relevant? Take that on over to iTunes and leave a review. I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode, or tell me what comes up when we talk about including your body in the conversation so I can include more of what would support you right where you are. Next week, I'm going to be back with a really special interview that I did with Susie Banks' mom, where we talk about the trapped feelings we often experience when we're part of traditions or expectations that might be bringing us more anxiety than joy. And what to do when you realize you're no longer in agreement with something that you've been part of and how your body can help with that. But between now and then, remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. 
Keep taking care of what you value, including your body in the conversation. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.